0: Welcome to the EDU Podcast, where
1: Rob and Gary talk and drink with your favorite photographers. So grab yourself a cold sarsaparilla and saddle up. This podcast is brought to you by Capture One Pro, the preferred imaging software of professional photographers due to the outstanding quality delivered straight from the camera. With powerful yet easy to use tools, you get extraordinary results in just a few edits. Download your free 30-day trial today and release the true potential of your raw images at CaptureOne.com.
2: In this episode, we're sitting down with Brian Smith, who is a celebrity portrait photographer. Brian, thank you for coming kind of last minute and joining our podcast this week. Hey, it's my pleasure, guys. So for the people that don't know who you are, how would you describe yourself? What do you do? What sort of photographer are you?
0: Well, I probably make most of my living doing celebrity portrait photography, as well as advertising campaigns for various clients around, and um, still editorial work is where it fits in. So you describe yourself as the luckiest guy alive, right? Hell yeah. Why is that? Uh, I think, like every photographer out there, is extremely lucky. I think some of the things is you drop in and you see people on often the worst days of their lives and going through turmoil and tragedy and kind of hits me and it's like the fact that the worst day you can have as a photographer a lot of people would see that as the best day of their life so I always kind of remind myself of that if I'm having trouble with a publicist or something's late and we're overtime at a studio and they're
1: trying to kick us out is things could be a lot worse (laughs) that's a good perspective to have tell us a bit about your evolution into photography How, how did you get into this business I
0: actually started shooting for the local newspaper when I was in high school. I was on the uh, swim team in high school, and I would just shoot the meets for uh, for the high school yearbook. And the uh, it was a small town, so the sports editor had to shoot his own photographs. And he was terrible at shooting swimming, so I got up got up the nerve one day and showed up with a stack of prints. And he went about three prints into it and said, "You're hired." So yeah, nice. I was a stringer for the. Uh, The local newspaper. Um, Initially was swimming, but then expanding to like gymnastics and football, and it was kind of a great way to get my foot in the door.
2: So after that, you went on to then study. Yeah, I went on
0: um, after high school. I went on to University of Missouri Journalism School and studied photojournalism. So um, four years there, and you know different internships in the summer, so that I would work for wire services or newspapers in the summer uh, that led to full-time work did you love it at the time yeah no it's great it's a, it was a good time uh one of the great things about missouri is they hosted the pictures of the year competition so the winners of that the newspaper photographer your magazine photographer of the year would and all the various category winners would come in to accept their awards so it's like once a year you're sort of rubbing elbows with the
2: people you aspired stars. to, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So where'd you go after Mizzou? I took a job at uh, New Orleans Times-Picayune, oh, uh, yeah. which was one of was one of the places I interned for. Um, so I went back after uh, college and worked there for about six months. It was a blast, but then a dream job dropped in my lap. Um, the Orange County Register was one of the first papers that was really using color and using it well. They would... Not little tiny color pictures. A lot of times it would be half of a half of a page, or sometimes a full section front images um, with really great reproductions. So and at the time that's a big deal in news. Yeah, background. it's like I w- everything in, that I did in college was black and white, and suddenly being dropped in where you're shooting three, sometimes four. Um, Shoots a day in color, and this was, you know, back in the day of color transparency, which is yeah. not nearly as forgiving as as, <laughs> no, as digital. So that's actually a great way to learn. It's like, right. you know, when you can get your exposure right on something that you have to get it right the first time, and that's rigorous too. Four shoots in a day. Uh, yeah, they tend to work you really hard. Yeah, now, if, if you're doing a major sporting event like college. Um, college uh, football game or NFL game, that's all you're doing that day. But a lot of the other days,
1: it's like at least a couple to to three, sometimes four shoots a day. So then how did did you wind up going from doing newspaper work to being the celebrity portrait for guy? You know, what was that transition?
0: Well, you know, it was great working in newspapers. I would um, shot lots of sports, everything from Super Bowls to... Uh, NBA Finals, uh, Olympics. But as much as I love doing that sort of thing and being, you know, Saturday afternoon with a six hundred millimeter lens shooting yeah. shooting college football, it was the times that they would assign me to do a really a portrait story on one of the athletes that I really gravitated toward because it's you know at half half an hour, forty five minutes. 60 minutes to really get to know them. And um, I knew that I wanted to do more of that, but I also knew magazines were the avenue to, for that,
1: right. so and you, you know, didn't I have gradu- to carry around a 600 millimeter no. lens that weighed 45 pounds. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> th- all all those weigh far less than the lighting gear that
0: I take. No, that's true. So, that's true. Uh, every, every every time I'm reminded of like the the weight of telephoto lenses, it's like nothing compared to grip equipment and lighting. Very true.
2: So, talk to me about your some of your first early assignments with celebrities. How did that happen? Um. Well,
0: it's it, one of the things you do while you're uh at a newspaper is that they cover, a, you know, a lot of when new movies come out, they do they tend to do more of the press junket. So, mm-hmm. film's a film's released and the director and the stars will sit down in a room and every half hour a new journalist comes in to talk to them and, you know, in a lot of cases they bring a photographer and if you're the photographer if the writer has 30 minutes they'll maybe give you the last two minutes at the end to do your thing so you're definitely not driving the bus on that one but <laughs> yeah yeah um i would always try to make the most of those things and i know on one situation uh I remember we were we were doing a story on Pritzi's honor so we had john houston and i wanted to make a great john houston portrait so he went in and with the the writer into the suite and they said you can set up out out here we'll do the picture when you're done and they walked out and i had all these umbrellas and lights and backdrops set up and he was kind of taken aback with you know he said isn't this just for the newspaper <laughs> and i looked at him and i said well you know there's small pictures and they're big pictures this is a john houston picture so it's very big and he kind of chuckled and laughed and you know Accommodated me, but I realized right at that point there was a different expectation that if you show up at the newspaper guy, they figure you're shooting available light or maybe maybe bounce flash off the ceiling or something. You're not coming in and doing a big setup. So that's when I realized it's like really you know taking that work to. To magazines would be the the way to go.
2: What happened when you when you really decided that I'm going to be the guy that has beautiful lighting? Was there a kind of an aha moment in your career, or have you always just been drawn to creating and crafting your own light? Well, a lot of that it's like I had to learn on my own, but I think light's very important for
0: a photograph. It's like. You know, even The most important thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, would say with, I would say with uh, uh, portraiture, the thing that's more important than the light is making the connection with your subject. Yeah, yeah. But light is very important. So um, kind of gradually evolved, but I think w- one of the things people can take away is w- no matter whether it was a newspaper assignment or if I was shooting on my days off for Rolling Stone... I put the same energy and effort into it because you you've got an equal opportunity to create a great shot either way. And a lot of my early portfolio was really a mix of both my newspaper assignments as well as, you know, stuff for Rolling Stone, Sports Illustrated, Time. So you never you never want to wait to raise your game till you get where you're going to be because you'll never get there. You want right. to you want to raise the game right away.
1: Developing the relationships is incredibly important in this business. It's all relationship-based, right down to the the day of the shoot when you have to have everybody come into a room and um, get on the same page kind of quickly so that you can make that art. Um, Celebrities kind of have an elevated status. So how is it for you to actually learn the process of making that connection with celebrities? Well, one thing I figured out very
0: early on is if you're too reverential and, you know, kiss their butts too much. They're, they're they're used to everybody doing that. So you're just like the the latest lackey. Right. Um, so I have a philosophy that when you're photographing regular folks, treat them like stars and when you're photographing stars, treat them like regular people. Reverse and psychology. Yeah. <laughs> but it's amazing just how much better each reacts right. it's like if you're photographing somebody who's it's the first time they might be in time magazine only time in their life you want to make that experience really special
2: yeah
0: on the other hand if you're shooting a star who's you know asked to do this thing multiple times a, a week you just treating them normal and finding out what they're really interested in instead of barraging them with a lot of questions
1: about their latest film do, do they come in um, almost with an attitude of it being mundane if they have to do it so many times a week? It can. It really depends. I mean,
0: some some stars really love to be photographed. You know, which is a photographer's dream. Yeah. You know, like Antonio Banderas. It's like what, like yeah. you know every time we've done a buckling, shoot, it's he? pretty much it's pretty much the production crew is going like, uh, we really have to wrap this up. And he's, <laughs> oh, no, yes. let's keep going. This, I'm liking this. So that's cool. You know, but that's kind of rare. I think it's. I think it's a difficult situation when you're, you know, constantly trying to be on. Um, so I think sometimes just kind of letting them relax and slowing down a bit. A lot of times you don't have time, a lot of time with them. Sometimes, you you know, I've got shoots that are 5 minutes, 15 minutes. And sometimes just take a breath and don't try to shoot too fast and try to get good quality over quantity.
2: I feel like we glazed over Antonio Banderas, and he's like one of my favorites. You, what can you, like, give me a story. Do you have any, like, standout? It sounds like you shot him multiple times.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I was kind of, what I was saying, the, the very first time that I photographed him was his first film in America before he, actually right before he went on camera for the very first time. Um, he was in uh, Miami Rhapsody with Sarah Jessica Parker, and we are you know set up his first scene was at the uh the Miami airport and I'm shooting for Time magazine and the Miami airport not the most beautiful place back in the the day you know but we found a spot that looked really good and you know they came over and said you're gonna you know you're gonna have Antonio for five minutes and you know so you're ready to go you've tested it you can just walk in and he got there and he's having a blast and they're like Uh, the the assistant director who's usually the guy who comes in and cuts everything off says, Antonio, you're on in 15 minutes. We need you now. And he goes, Oh, well then I think I will do 15 more minutes of photographs. (laughs) This is fun. Come, come when you need me. And so it's like, that's pretty rare. And it, you know, it takes a star to be able to talk back to an assistant director. You certainly, as the photographer, you can't go, I I need more time. You just have to go whatever. But you know, the star star wants to
2: keep on going. It's great. He's the only person that could have pulled off shooting machine guns out of guitar cases. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that, and that was actually the second shoot that we did with him. Um, I, I guess they liked the photographs and I was requested when premier magazine, um, you know, probably a year later when he, he was in desperado, they requested to see if I was available and it's like, hell yeah, I'm, Definitely going back for that. Yeah. So we were down in Acuña, Mexico, with with he and Robert Rodriguez, wow. and um, the whole machine gun case and that guitars and everything. Yeah. Oh,
2: you've seen that in person? Yeah. Oh. Look at Gary's oh. face right now. He's oh, so oh that's one of the best movies ever. <laughs> yeah. So uh, walk me through what does your average month look like? Who? What's that? Well, it's it's changed a lot in the you know in the last eight years. I'm
0: doing lots. A lot more speaking. That's what I am out here at WPPI in Las Vegas mm-hmm. for right now. So it's really, I've gone from you know, in the heyday of editorial, I was probably uh, shooting or traveling four and a half days a week for twenty years solid, and wow. uh, that's, a you pace. Know, that's before you know, that's before you were doing digital post and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody can keep that pace up now unless you've got somebody that you hand all of the post mm-hmm. off to. But, uh, you know, the market sort of changed. And, you know, your, your energy to, to do shoot 225 days a, a year starts to wane after 20 years of doing that. So now I really do. I do more writing. I do more speaking. um still do a, a mix of commercial and editorial shoots. So every, every week is different. And that's actually what I love about it. When I was... When I was in high school, one of the things I gravitated toward photography was because I really couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something different all the, you know, every six months, and I discovered photography is really a way that you can do something different every single mm-hmm. day. So it's not the same old, same old. I guess you know, there's probably some things like product photography that you're kind of in a in a cycle, but for me as a portrait photographer, it's like even doing portraits all the time it's the subject is different. So you're really dropping into a different person's life. How important is personal work to you? Personal work is really important. And that's something I would really stress for those people who want to, who are out there who want to advance their career. That's the way that you're going to do it because, you know, with a personal assignment, you can shoot anything you want. You can go out and shoot it, and shoot it whichever way you want. I mean, the you last you get to be the
1: career direct, director. Yeah,
0: and, right. But you can you can instead of somebody telling you this is what you want, it's like you've got no excuses. You go out shoot it the way that you see. And when you show that work, editors, uh, art directors get a better idea of what you love to shoot. So always with personal work, always find something that you're passionate about and shoot from the heart. I assume your film noir project was uh, was a personal... Well, actually, the, the film noir, you're talking about the stuff on the, yeah. the website, that's just basically a collection
1: of the black and white celebrity portraits that I've, They're nice. that uh, I've done. They're so, There's a real theme going through there, and I, I reacted really well to that. I thought that those were re- that was a really nice series in particular. A
0: lot of those came out of uh, a book project that I worked on um, called Art and Soul. It was something... Sony approached me back in, I guess, 2009. Mm-hmm during um, Oscar week out in L.A., I uh, got a phone call from Kayla Lindquist, who runs the Sony Artisan program, and she said, how would you feel about coming out for Oscar week and photographing, you know, 50, 60 actors for a book project to promote the arts? And it's like, I'm in. Yeah, that's right? a, You're pretty much totally a dream it. project. And I think we were, it was a three-day shoot, and I, I think by noon on day one, we all kind of sat down and went like, we got to keep this going. So I think that's a really important thing is you only get so many great opportunities in your your life. And, you know, I, I'm, there certainly were some before that I didn't take full advantage of, and I'd learned enough to go like, you know, this may not be coming back again. So, um, we you know, caught, got together and figured out a way that we could keep this going. So this what was supposed to be a three-day project ended up... You know, we did another three days. Um, a month later in New York took this first group of work to uh, Capitol Hill and the White House to show it as a way to advocate, and advocate for the arts. We put together a very quick book on blurb just so people could see, see the direction that we're going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew that we wanted... To make it a bigger project than this, but that's a great way, sort of, you know, let people see this is this is something that we're working on, and then, you know, continue to shoot at other f- festivals after that. So I was back at for Emmys and Sundance, and that's a really efficient way to to shoot a lot of people quickly. So mm-hmm. we ended up photographing 250 people, um, wow. and the book. We had room for one hundred and twenty three in the book, so it 's like it's a pain to edit yeah. down um, but we really looked for the voices that showed you know diverse ways of all how the arts affects everyone from young to old and so, in addition to the portrait I did, um, we had a notebook, and in their own handwriting, they wrote one page about what the you know either what the arts means means to society, what it means to them, why it inspired them it really was. It was totally open, whatever they wanted to write. Right. And it was it was interesting because usually they would be writing this either after we did the shoot while I'm photographing somebody else or sometimes before, but I I didn't really sit down and go through that side of the book until we're in production. And I'm laying the book out and, and scanning all the pages and, and putting it all together, and it's like that, that really it's that that third element that journalists talk about, where you have the
1: photograph and the words coming together and creating a, a greater whole. How is that process for you to be working in a collaborative setting like that on a book to have your images edited in a group setting? Um, edited in Well, because you, you had to call it down so much. You couldn't get everybody in there. You couldn't get all the shots in there. Yeah, no. It, so I, w- I worked with
0: um, um, the publisher, um, actually, the, the publisher, the, the and I worked together and I made what I'd started with were lots of just little tiny work prints. I mean, you know, basically four by six, um, mm-hmm. quick prints, just where we could kind of see what the images are. Um, because part of what we're also looking at is not just each individual image, but how they relate to each other. We didn't want it Kind of like pagination. I didn't want it to be I didn't want it to be repetitive like you know tight headshot, tight headshot, right. tight headshot. We we wanted to flow to it. And sometimes when you do that, you see, you know, how two pictures play off of each other. Mm-hmm. And so like on some of the people there was a hands-on this is a shot, and others it's like, well, you know, we've got five, six to choose from. Um the uh I, I will tell you the the only person, uh, out of the entire book who was able to select his image was my personal hero, Elliot Irwitt. Really? So, uh, Elliot was the very first, uh, photo book I ever, uh, bought was from, was one of Elliot's when I was in high school. It's, I bought that and he really inspired me and have gotten to know him over the years and really wanted him to be a part of this book because in addition to photography, he's a filmmaker and you know, it's like to me like if you're going to represent photographers he's he's the guy and uh uh, he we allowed elliot to pick his picture because he was he was down in uh, palm beach uh for to see one of his galleries and he made a side trip down to come hang, hang out with us at at our house in miami beach and came up and and Took a look as we we're doing the edit. So of course, yeah. if Elliot wants to pick his favorite picture, and you had him at your house. Yes, I mean your oh, photographic wow. hero. Yes, I had the guy that, it, that was that was the the an instance. I had two original Elliot Irwitz because I had a print on the wall, and I had the guy. I had Elliot himself, so that's two originals.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. How did you approach your lighting setup for this whole series? Was it the same in every situation? Yeah, so that, that's an g- absolutely great question.
0: It's I wanted it to be cohesive because you know we as photographers, it's like we all have like a hundred tricks and stuff. Um, and I would urge people to resist the inclination to show how clever you are and like look I can do a hundred things um fine you do that but do it on different projects I wanted something that was cohesive so the first thing we had to decide was whether we were going to shoot you know environment or a studio background because the first three-day shoot that we had a um we were shooting at a at a gifting suite which was a setup at a at a house in truesdale estates beverly hills had a great view of los angeles but i'm kind of thinking like you know the rain can come in it can fall down and then you're kind of locking yourself in i mean is it going to be star in cityscape scar star in cityscape so mm-hmm. um, but while that might have certainly been approach if i was that i would take if i was photographing the owner of the house we felt like let's button it down in a studio and we were like we ended up it, this is not you know it's as glamorous as it looks it's we ended up in the the maid's room room which was nine by nine by 12 foot tiny room fortunately they took the bed out of it
1: so we right. just had a, <laughs> we had this very tight intimate space i was gonna say it probably helped with the intimacy of the images yeah to, to no and actually
0: yeah um so like it, and that, and that's a great thing whenever you're looking at something of like Oh, this is a disaster. What can we do? You turn it around and make the best of it. So we actually ended up um to make it even cozier. We ended up basically wrapping all the walls in black with you know foam coral all over, everything so it made it even you know instead of trying to make it look bigger, we made it that much cozier mm-hmm. and it was kind of it was kind of nice because it was like there was room for um the star myself um my assistant and the, the digital tech that we had for the first three days actually had to set up in the bathroom so this was his great like talking about great attitude of a digital tech yeah. and they come in He's and it's like where, where am I setting up and it's like <laughs> see this counter right here and he just he laughed and it was absolutely great so cool. it's like you know sometimes you just have to roll with the punches yeah. and it it actually worked really great because nobody could come on in with them so None of these shoots we, you know, we didn't have, we didn't have someone in the background looking things over and commenting or their publicist or their manager. It's like they just, they just showed up because they were passionate about the arts. And I think the fact that it was intimate like that, it really kind of changed the mood. Um, And then of course, you know, one of the cool things is like by the end of day one, we set up a laptop outside the room that's cycling through the image on as a slideshow that we've done already. And the people as they're waiting are, you know, kind of getting a feel for what we're doing. So we didn't, we really didn't have to say a whole lot. It's just basically, this is, this is about the art. You can do whatever you want, right. which is kind of a freeing thing when you're photographing celebrities, because usually every, everybody's got agendas, you know, it's like if oh, I'm yeah. going in for a magazine shoot, the the magazine's got an agenda they want, the, the publicist has something that their agenda, the yeah. star has theirs. And of course, photographers all have an agenda too. So it's the fact that it was, it, you know what? You can do anything you want was, you know, a couple of times it's like, God, I've never been on a shoot like that. But they reacted really, really well. What was your gear set up for this whole shoot? Um, kept it consistent. I had I had two, two Sony bodies with... Um, one body I had uh, 24 to 70, and the other an 85. Um, you know, I had, you know, I took other gear with me like the 100 and 135s, but I never, I never really broke those out because it's like that was really the perfect thing. We we're shooting in pretty small spaces. 85 great for a tight portrait. Mm-hmm. Um, 24 to 70 is a lens that I really love too, though, because at 70 millimeters, you're just a little bit closer to the subject than you are at 85. You still you know, you don't get that distortion because you get a little bit of flattening, but it just has more of an intimate feel. So I had, you know, those two bodies in terms of lighting, a very simple setup all the way through. I had um, one, pro photo, um, one pro photo head with a beauty dish and grid on it. So it's a white beauty dish with a grid that sort of takes this soft light yep. and focuses down. Mm-hmm. So kind of this nice pool spotlight on the face. And then, you know, I always, I always work with some, some fill, so normally the fill is just ambient light outdoors. You know, I'll pick a shutter speed that the ambient just sort of opens up the shadows to wherever I want it. Here, because we're inside, I, you know, I didn't want the fill to look like, you know, I never like to put the fill on the opposite side of the key light because it just cancels that out, and changes it. I like the fill to be directly behind me. So just one big soft light behind me, opening up the shadows, you know, maybe, you know, two stops under.
2: Are you shooting tethered during this or? Yeah, off? we're
0: shooting, we're shooting tethered. We're, um, um, you know, now I always shoot tethered using a uh, capture one. Um, they've actually got a great software for the Sony cameras, capture one yeah. pro for Sony and, uh, the, got a great deal on it. It's, um, uh, special pricing and, uh, It's just rock solid. You see the images really, really quickly and uh, know what you've got. Now, one thing that I will say is I don't like to have the monitor where it's facing back and the subject sees it or I'm looking at it. So that was actually the great situation on those early shoots with the the digital tech in the bathroom. At first, he was going to bring it out and aim the monitor toward us. And I'm like, no, aim it back toward you so that you know people aren't stopping to look look, at it like occasionally occasionally we'd go you know like 30 frames in and hit something and they're like hey wait you gotta come take a look at this and and see them and kind of warm them up but in general i don't want somebody reacting right away it's kind of like the the film days the you know another thing to you as the photographer don't chimp your images on a portrait shoot. Don't sit there and go click yeah. down at the frame, click down at, the, at your LCD, back and forth because like every time you do that, you lose your subject. So, I mean, it's it's great great one of the that's cool things advice. with Sony cameras yeah. is is you can set them to auto-review in the EVF. So, mm-hmm. like, after you see it, you see it just for an instance, like a second, it that's pops a, that's up. That's
2: a really cool feature. Sony's come a
0: long way in yeah. a short period of time. No, it's, yeah. it's amazing. And that's that's perfect because that's not breaking the flow. Like mm-hmm. I can quickly kind of see what it, what something w- was and, you know, continue down that way, but I'm not stopping and
1: taking my eye away and then looking down because there's no idea that yeah. you're actually reviewing the images very quickly right. and just getting right. a feel for yeah. the, 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 the shoot. That's cool. Yeah. And I think a good piece of advice for photographers
0: is to get on the other side of the camera sometime. <laughs> Because it really tells you a lot. I had to post for for a uh, magazine ad once and was watching, and it's like everybody's talking in the background to each other. And it's like you're kind of wondering. It's like, am I terrible? Are they all like like going, what are we going to do with this guy and stuff (laughs) and everything like that? And I just realized it's really like the more you can keep that interaction right with your subject and not have – a three wing ring circus going on behind them. And I think that's probably why those initial images work because we were in such a small space mm-hmm. without a lot of people. And so, you know, like even, even on later stuff, um, when we were, um, up in, in New York for the second shoots where we had a huge studio space, we ended up basically, you know, creating this tiny room out of foam core V flats that took it from this, Massive, massive studio stadium. to this really intimate space just to kind of create that that we wanted the same look we didn't want light bouncing all the way around so that's really why we did mm-hmm. it but it also helped kind of keep that intimate feel to it
1: yeah that's an important thing for you when you're shooting is really having that intimate moment with your subject so it comes through in the, in the yeah. final image
2: you're shooting for a lot of different publications i've heard you mention time and rolling stone Um, who else are you shooting for now and and what looking back like what are your favorite things to shoot for
0: um i I like somebody that throws me for a loop and gives me something different Mm -hmm. so uh you know i'm also i also do a lot of stuff when sony releases a new camera or a new lens and it's kind of the challenge of like you know how do we show this off so you know in some cases when the 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 first a7r came out just thinking about like you know the compact size and you know having a small camera that doesn't call a lot of attention to it street photography is perfect you know it's like whenever i'm shooting these things it's like super super undercover nobody can know what you're you're working with and so i had this had photographed in my newspaper days for the miami herald i'd shot i'd covered haiti like a dozen times all the coups and stuff and I was dying to get back. Um, People may find this surprising, but Haiti is an absolutely beautiful place. There's such bright colors. So, you know, once you get, once you get past the poverty, or maybe because even in the poverty, you see people who take a lot of pride and will, you know, paint. No matter how modest the house is, it's painted with you know big, bright, colorful colors. And I figured that would be not only a great place to shoot, but nobody would have any idea what the thing I, camera I was shooting with. So, you know, obviously everything's taped off, but um, it's just kind of a, it's fun to get back to the roots that way. And I think that's that's one of the things I've sort of evolved from doing news and sports to portraits and now going back to um, photojournalism or street photography is, is really exciting
1: to kind of, you know, return to your roots yeah that's important to to continue to practice that craft that way it's almost like a baseball player who's still you know they take ground balls all the time right because they have to practice the basics
0: yeah and i think that's something that a lot of photographers miss musicians are another example i mean you can have the greatest musician they're practicing their scale right we don't do that as photographers we go out and shoot like you know instead of practicing and really trying to get better it's like yeah i'm going to practice i'm going to go shoot and you do the same thing again and again and you don't really pick up a new skill so i think a lot of times you know just something as simple as going out and trying to anticipate action where you're you're you go out and and try to shoot sports or something single single frame mode so right. instead of blasting away with a motor where really you only control the first image and then it's the luck of the motor drive after that right go out and try to shoot action
1: one frame at a time and try to capture that peak moment yeah i've got a friend who she's a pretty amazing photographer and her entire career she's been shooting for 30 years she goes down to a local boxing club and only shoots manual manual focus there you go and it's just to keep herself sharp yeah just to continue to hone her own skills which she's been doing forever And i really admire her for that i think it's really a bright approach just to stick to the basics so she never loses track of it right right
0: And the great thing is like the local boxing gym you have unlimited access. Like you know, so many people like I wanna I wanna shoot the Super Bowl. Well, you know, it's (laughs) just like sorta sort of of like you know, an athlete, it's like an athlete wants to get a Super Bowl. You you got a lot of years to to practice before you make it to that level. It's the same thing, but there's always something like a local boxing gym or high school football game or something that's gonna afford you the access. They're delighted that somebody cares enough to take pictures. And th- that's the way you get ready for when your big break comes.
2: How did you learn how to price yourself? And um, give us a kind of run of how your pricing has changed and how you knew when to change your pricing over the years.
0: Well, um, because I did a lot of editorial. Editorial pricing is really easy because the magazines dictate what <laughs> you get paid. And it doesn't matter who you are now. Uh, so your pricing was acceptance. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, my pricing was yes. I will do that shoot. Um, <laughs> you
1: know,
0: I, I, I did fight over the years uh, the, the negotiating better fees for assistants because the, the, the magazines were pretty slow to ri- raise assistant rates, and you know that's actually an easier thing to to fight for than fighting over your fee because they're like, well, we can't raise your fee, and it's like, I can't, I can't find an assistant for. 150 bucks guys it's mm-hmm. like it's minimum of 2 250 and it's like you slowly get the magazines up um but you know a lot of that stuff came came tumbling down with the crash you know starting in 2001 magazines were not making the money they they once did it's now starting to stabilize and get you know get back to about what i was charging in the mid 90s right. but but in terms of in terms of rates usually it's You've got a, a a day rate to shoot the job against space rate, and what that means is, you know, you get a guarantee, maybe five hundred bucks to go in and shoot for the day. If you end up getting the cover, and they pay fifteen hundred or two thousand for the cover, they bump it up to that higher rate. You don't get you don't get both of them them together, but it actually it actually starts to make things more lucrative over time. Sure. Like when you're starting off shooting the. The you know front of the book thing that's going to run an eighth of a page. The assignments are pretty simple. You know, it might take an hour, might be an hour shoot. You get to the more complex stuff, and you're putting in a lot of days and time and prep. Um, still for that five hundred dollar rate. But if it ends up as a double page in the magazine or a cover, you end up getting more. So it
1: kind of that's that's really the way you raise your rates. So when you saw the market change in 2001, how, how did your promotion and your marketing efforts change at that point?
0: Well, I started right at that point realizing I needed to diversify. And I um, had, a, had a lot of s- stock photographs um, with my agency, which was um, a division of the, then Corbis, which mm-hmm. folded this last year. Mm-hmm. But, um, Hard to believe, out- right? Outline out of Corbis. It's like... was you know that really was what kept me in business is relicensing um normally when you shoot for a magazine the magazine has first publication rights meaning uh you can't you can't publish it anywhere else you can't even put it on your website till it appears mm-hmm. in in print but then once it does you, you know usually there's a Embargo period that can be as little as a, a day for a newspaper, but typically for magazines, is anywhere from 30 to 90 days. That they don't want it in any other publication because they want that bit of exclusivity. But after that, um, you're free to relicense it to other publications. And it, it's you don't always make money, but like the certain times. I could make enough to uncertain some jobs. I could make enough money to cover my overhead for the year. So it's, that's phenomenal. You, as photographers, you yeah. never want to give up your rights. You, you right. know, you don't want to
1: shoot work for hire. Um, they're your images. You should own them. It's the only asset you really have. Yeah. You know, cameras are not really an asset. They depreciate. They no. break. They get stolen. You got to sell them off. Whatever. Um, cameras cameras are a liability.
0: Much <laughs> as we <laughs> you love totally them, y- they're yeah.
2: You know, yeah. What well, advice do you love them? What advice do you have for photographers getting into um wanting to license their images? Where should they go to like, you know, try and license them? Like well,
0: stock stock. Y- yeah, I mean the easiest the easiest way is, is basically to to place them with an agency and let them do it. The problem with that is that agency uh is going to take anywhere from 50% to in in some cases 80% of the wow. sale, which is a killer. Um I found, actually, it's, it's very effective now. Um, you know, once Corbis was gone, it's like I found it's very effective for me now to have um, the images online and, and license them directly myself. So I use a service called PhotoShelter.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, and I, I use them not just for, you know, the hopes of licensing image. Every time I deliver images to a client, I post them there and have the the clients download. I mean, traditionally they tend to give you like an FTP link where you mm-hmm. uplink upload the the images to their server and I you know, about 3 times in a row I ran into problems where the same magazine it's I'd I'd upload the images like they asked me to go off on something else and I'd be in the middle of a shoot far from home and I get this panic call going we're going to press and they they cleaned our server and deleted uh, all the images and we hadn't downloaded them yet and it's like I'd have to you know find a laptop find a connection yeah. get the images up and then I just realized it's like far easier for me to have own upload own them service, to yeah. Smart. upload them to photo shelters send, send them a password protected link you know until until it's in the magazine you know you set it so no one else can see it without permission. So nobody can hunt around and go, hmm, I wonder what he shot this for. But you give it to them, and then, you know, once the thing runs, it's basically checking a box, and suddenly you can make it visible where people can see it. But that's, you know, that has paid for itself ten times over for the rest of my life, just in terms of images people wanted
1: that, you know... Uh, gee, I'm far from home, but hey, I can just
2: well, turn saves, this It saves the
1: client that panic attack, too, because yeah. they're calling you, and they're like, oh, my God, we need this now. You're in the middle of right. a shoot. It, it gets everybody worked up. And yeah, and it's not like needs- one of those things. You know, there
0: are other services like WeTransfer. You can send it to sure. them, but they expire in a week. So yeah. it's like, you know, people ask for stuff early, and it's it's gone. This is so much better. The navigation is great, um, and uh, it's... You know saved me many times over, and then it, that's also something the 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 visible archives there so if you set up visibility that anyone can see it as opposed to I was saying like on a job, I turn that off, but once it's published, I'll turn it on so anyone can see it then it's searchable if somebody mm-hmm. goes over there to photo shelter and goes you know I'm looking for for images of yeah. Bill Gates, and it's like this will pop up with everything else, and so that's been that's actually, you know, that pays for itself ten
1: times over. So you found it to be lucrative. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's a great way pe- for people to find it. I mean, I still, I get a lot of people contacting me directly from my website as well because they find the images there. But anytime you can put images in two places, it's it's far better. Mm-hmm.
2: What percentage of your business do you think comes from? You know, relicensing old your old library of images. Um, God, that's a great question.
0: It's like I haven't I haven't sat down at the the moment. It's probably I would say probably fifteen or twenty percent of
2: that's significant. Yeah, you know, yeah.
0: No, I mean, there were times in the in when I was strictly shooting editorial where it was about. It's about fifty percent of my income every year, and it's the great thing is that's the fifty percent that does not have expenses. Yeah.
2: So right. it's
0: like you can I can do a I could do a magazine it's shoot, all and it's, you know, the 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 shoot might end up being because it involves a lot of travel, um, ten thousand dollars of which maybe a thousand is actual income from me, so nine thousand in expenses. Right for a one thousand dollar profit right. and that's even that's before i start depreciating camera gear and mm-hmm. my expenses versus re-licensing um where it's all expense free at that point right. a yeah pure profit which yeah. is that's good living
2: if there's one thing that we've <laughs> we've gotten to in this season so far is the importance um that everyone that we've had on everyone says you have to understand licensing so Um, Having said that, what advice do you have for photographers getting in that are just utterly confused about how to license their image on top of their fees? Um, There's a couple great organizations out there. Um, um, APA,
0: um, American Photographic Artists, and ASMP, American Society of Mm -hmm. Media Photographers. Uh, You know, depending where you are, uh, APA tends to be in the larger cities. ASMP is like a lot of smaller ones. I would invite, I would suggest people get involved with one, if not both of those organizations, because you'll learn a lot about licensing through them. And, um, you know, in addition, there's other things you can look at, um, you know, like photo, photo quotes, a good source, if you want to see what typical images are licensing for, but it's still a bit of an art form, like you know, uh, most most services like PhotoQuote will tell you what an average image would license for. If you've got a really typical picture, like you know, uh, a, a picture of the Empire State Building, of which there's bazillions, you may have you ha- may have less leverage. On the other hand, if you have a picture that no one else has, uh, you can charge two, three, sometimes ten times. What the going rate is, because it 's unique, yeah. so a lot of times what what I look for in if a magazine approaches me, particularly if' it's, if it 's a hard to photograph subject that they can 't just reassign, is not just what their standard page rate would be, yeah. you know because every magazine has page rates It you know might be two hundred and fifty bucks for quarter page, um, six fifty for full page, and they have like their standard rates. But a lot of times it's I've I had people come to me and say, well, um, I'll give an example. Of, like when the Bee Gees were doing, had their uh, their comeback, I photographed them for Entertainment Weekly, and we really hit it off. And they, um, I had a call from a German magazine like the very next day saying, we're trying to do a shoot, too. The manager said, the guys really had fun with you. Um, would you be willing to photograph them again? And it's like, oh, yeah, I had a blast. Absolutely. And then they could never get the 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 timing to gel. In the meantime, uh, I shot them for Entertainment Weekly. The magazine comes out. Uh, the magazine in Ger- Germany saw them and flipped, and it's like, this is exactly what we want. Can we relicense that? And, you know, at this point, I was with, uh, outline And I just said, yeah, work it out with them. And I saw a statement probably um, three months later, and it was double the entire shoot price that I did on the first nice. shoot. And I think, you know, part of that, it's like, you know, it's it was a – they got the image that they wanted, and they would have been willing to spend this – to fly somebody in and shoot this so it's basically their their full budget for the shoot they applied to that so that's that's a really good thing to you know as you're kind of working for people don't just look for like well what do you pay for a for a half page or what do you pay for a full page it's like well you know if this is the picture that you really want i'm saving you from shooting it and hoping to come up with the picture you yeah, want. but the
1: key to that is the fact that you were able to create an image that was um, not only engaging but it was unique so that even though it had been run before in another magazine somebody else wanted to pay for that same shot.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the things that is the value of that's that's the value of, of putting in the effort to style a shoot mm-hmm. and, and elevate it to not just an average shot you want the the picture that that's going to be memorable you know it's it's this is that was my one and only time to photograph the Bee Gees unfortunately two of them are no <laughs> longer gone, with this yeah. but right. I still every now and then will run into uh Barry at one of the uh the cafes and I'll cool. pull up on the phone it's like hey remember when he did this and it's yeah. like oh yeah man I love that that's we cool. had fun man <laughs> that's great that's cool <laughs>
1: Well, we know that uh, you have to run because you have to, to do a lecture here shortly. But do you want to tell our audience where they can find your work and do more research on you?
0: Oh, sure. My uh, website is very simple, com. So jump on over that over there and um, on Twitter, at um, briansmithphoto.
2: You must it. have got that domain early. That's Those are two pretty common uh, names. Y- you know what? I actually, <laughs> I, I
0: actually had to buy it from another photographer yeah. with the same name. So, oh, man. Um, yeah, it was sort of, you know, the price of a midsize automobile to get it. So, <laughs> if, you know, hopefully those people out there, you're born with a more unique name than mine, yeah. but um, you know, if not, I did feel a little bit like the Super Bowl ads of John Malkovich trying to get his name back. <laughs> those are
2: hilarious. <laughs> those are great.
1: Those are totally great.
2: So download this entire episode and this entire season and all the seasons, you can go to rggedupodcast.com and also make sure to subscribe to get these episodes on your phone every week. At iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. We're everywhere. We are. Look at us. We're everywhere. (laughs) Thank you so much. Hey, you're welcome, it. Thanks again. Cool. Cheers.
1: This podcast has been brought to you by Capture One Pro 10, the preferred imaging software of professional photographers due to its versatility and to the outstanding image quality delivered straight from the camera. Well, that's all she wrote for this one. Thanks for listening. I get out of here and
0: start shooting. This podcast is officially over. Over and out. Catch you next time, dude.
1: Just what the hell is a photography tutorial?